Hello, welcome to the Alone Eight Show. I'm your host, John Alone Eight, and in this episode, I haven't I haven't brought on any regulars because I'm busy doing whatever in life. As for our guest, she's from Kansas City, Missouri. She's an author of Face Everything and Rise, and the founder, the CEO of From the Green Desk. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Kelsey Walker. Hi there. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So, how's life? Oh, it's picking up. <laughs> yeah, same got with me. Got a lot of iron. Yeah, got a lot of irons <laughs> in the fire right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what have you been up to much recently? Uh, so, with uh, my book recently being released, Face Everything in Rise, um, which is the story of my memoir um, with my experience with abortion. Um, it's really, you know, after writing the memoir and releasing it, uh, a lot of women and folks have reached out to me and said, hey, I really need, you know, help processing my trauma related to child loss or pregnancy loss or abortion. Can you help me? And so I turned around and founded from the Green Desk, which is an up-and-coming nonprofit here in the United States, but it's a digital one, so it could be used worldwide. Uh, what we do is provide coaching as well as group therapy to individuals who have gone through abortion or have lost pregnancies or lost children. We also provide are going to be providing narrative meditation. Um, for those folks as well. And then we have a weekly uh, blog as well as in March, we'll be launching a podcast so that people can really immerse themselves in healing. Oh, great. Tell me more about this book you've written. Absolutely. So it comes from, you know, it's a memoir. So it comes directly from my experience. At 17 weeks, we found out that the baby that I was carrying, our daughter Hope, had osteogenesis imperfecta type 2, which is the lethal version of brittle bone disease. So all of the bones in her body were broken. Her ribs were breaking in on her lungs and her heart. And she was she was suffering. And my husband and I made the difficult decision to have an abortion uh, to not only end that suffering, but also to um, save my life because my life was being threatened from carrying her as well. So it's about that experience walking through that fire. Um, You know, it, it details out what harm the laws that are currently upheld in the United States that surround these clinics hold. Um, from anything from asking me six times while I was there um, if I wanted to go through with the procedure, um, them not knocking you out all the way for the procedure, giving you something called midazolam, which helps you forget, quote unquote, but I remember everything. And also not allowing my partner to be in the room with me during the final stage of the procedure. And these are all wrapped up, again, in in government law and regulation as to what is going on in those those rooms. And 
honestly, you know, I don't blame the providers because the providers were very compassionate folks. There was a nurse that held my hand and kept eye contact with me the whole time because I was very sad and very scared. Um, There was, you know, at the end of the procedure, they gave me uh, a card with her footprints on it, as well as a blanket that they held her in. And, you know, just really showed me a lot of compassion and care. But what I quickly found was that there, after having an abortion, um, and even, you know, with, you know, my outward story at the time was that we had just, we had lost her. There is no support out there um, for folks that are facing abortion. And what I, after the procedure, they give you four phone numbers um, and they say, stick to this list. If you go off this list, it's not going to be good for you. And the list is the suicide hotline, the abortion support hotline, which is a lot like the suicide hotline, a phone number for a psychiatrist that li- that is about three hours away from you, um, which is, you know, I was, I was three hours from the next biggest city when I had my procedure done. And this was before telehealth was a big thing. Um, mm. So trying to follow up with a doctor like that was just not possible. And um, the final one is the after hours phone number for their clinic. Because if you go to a hospital in the United States, after you've had a dilation and an evacuation, a DNE, which is what I had, the emergency room doctors will not know how to treat you if something goes wrong. Hmm. So you have to call the after hours hotline and you, you know, you stick to that list or you're going to be in trouble. And of course I didn't stick to the list because I was, <laughs> I was searching out for help, um, you know, mentally dealing with the loss of her and the trauma from ha- remembering everything about the procedure and, you know, the, the laws that were wrapped up in it that caused the trauma. And, I reached out to a, what I thought was an abortion support group. It turned out to be a pro-life organization that took me to a pasture that said, you know, it's too bad basic in, in synopsis, you know, it's too bad about your baby, but you know, you're, you're going to go to hell and um, <laughs> was not helpful. You know, re-traumatized me. Um, also after, you know, we got our daughter Hope's ashes back, you know, I called seven different churches to try to have a funeral, have someone, you know, bless her ashes, pray over her, something like that. And all seven churches rejected me and told me no, um, which is like a whole new basis of cruelty that I hadn't experienced before. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, the book is about that journey and finding the strength to rise and really finding healing in, you know, when I finally did find a psychologist, um, you know, that journey, as well as, you know, my journey with EMDR, which is a special kind of therapy for post-traumatic stress disorder, which I developed as a result of all these layers of trauma. And, 
between EMDR helping me peel back those layers of trauma, writing the book, and then the Women's March this last October, um, you know, it really healed me. And I want to share that with other people that are going through the same thing. Wow. Incredible. And how, <laughs> and how has that experience that you've been through has like benefited other people who's going through the same thing, same situation that you're go- that you've went through. So right now it's, it's benefiting others because I, right now what's going on in our, in the United States is uh, the state of Texas passed something called the heartbeat bill, um, which means that after six weeks of pregnancy, you are no longer legally allowed to have an abortion in the state of Texas. There's also a $10,000 bond put on your head if you assist or have an abortion um, in the state of Texas. So, um, you know, there's, there's copycat bills popping up all over the country, including Kansas, which is where I had my procedure done and what I'm doing and what a lo- not a lot of other women, because it's, it's still a new movement, but what women are doing all over our country right now is using their voices to speak up and say, look, I had to have this, this rhetoric that's around and the story that surrounds abortion is that you've got you know, loose women that are lining up to get abortions after they've had a one night stand. And that's simply not true. Um, so other women have benefited from my story because I'm, I'm brave enough to be telling it um, and changing that narrative uh, surrounding abortion. And currently what I'm doing right now, um, one of the initiatives is called the 50 States Challenge. And with that, I'm sending you know, I'm just, I'm getting the books printed. I'm not, you know, making any money off of it. I'm getting the books printed and sending one to each of the governors of the states, their senators, our Supreme Court justices, as well as our president, um, and sending that narrative to them to say, look, at 17 weeks, we found out anything was wrong. At 18 weeks, we had to have an abortion because at 20 weeks, it was illegal. And if I didn't have this care, I could have died. And just changing that narrative to support other women and other people out there that need this as healthcare. Hmm. Fabulous. Great. Tell me more about From the Green Desk, the nonprofit organization that you created. Absolutely. So it's, um, it's, a, it's, a sm- it's small right now. Um, but we're, we're growing all the time. Um, the basis of it is um, providing coaching, one-on-one coaching, peer-to-peer coaching, um, as well as uh, providing group therapy with a licensed therapist to help people feel like they're not walking in this alone. Because one of the biggest struggles that we face right now, whether it's abortion, pregnancy, or child loss, is there's a silent scream that is surrounding these losses. We've decided as a society that we just don't talk about it. 
and from the green desk talks about it loud and in stereo and so our our main uh services like i said are coaching and group therapy that are free to folks that need it um you know there's they're screened on a, a you know a short interview call to make sure that there's no crazies lingering out there, there in the wings before we get started um but you know that's part of it the um the blog is becoming part of it as well. It's, you know, part mental health, part grief, part um, advocacy as well. And, um, you know, eventually in, at the end of March, because I can, you know, as a army of only a couple um, <laughs> can only do so many things at once. At the end of March, we're launching a podcast to, um, you know, that will follow the same uh theme as the blog so people can really uh, immerse themselves in in healing and something else that we are offering as a paid service is uh, something that um, I'm calling narrative meditation it's you know it's like meditative not meditation it's like narrative therapy um, but it's the process that I went through to peel back the layers of trauma and release my story just into the universe and get it out of me. Um, so that service is, you know, we're going to be doing workshops. We're going to be doing individual coaching. Um, but it's really to help people process their trauma and their grief by, you know, getting it out in the universe. Maybe it'll inspire other people to write books. Maybe it'll just go in a drawer somewhere, but either way, the whole point is healing. Great. Uh, what do you like about doing what you do? I love being able to advocate for others that are still trying to fi find their voice, that are still trying to take that silent scream off mute. And I really like, you know, what was interesting is, you know, when I was a teenager, I was, you know, I did protests for reproductive rights and, and things like that. Um, but I had yet to have experienced it myself. And, you know, there are youth and there are women and folks from the LGBTQ plus community out there that are out there protesting that, you know, while they're attached to the issue, don't understand it yet. And now I have, I have, because I have the experience, I have the opportunity to share it with them and help fuel their passion and fuel the passion for future generations. Great. Incredible. Thank you. So welcome. What was my... <laughs> What was life for you growing up? Uh, so I spent the first 10 or so years of my life in Kansas City. When I was 10 years old, uh, my dad got a job transfer to Chicago. And what was tricky, though, was a couple of years later, Katrina hit um, in Louisiana, which was a massive hurricane in the United States. And 
he was gone for 250 days of the year. And so my mom was essentially a single mom in Chicago in a city that we didn't know. <laughs> um, and really because of that experience, you know, she was never afraid to jump on the train to go downtown and have us experience everything that living in a big city had to offer, whether it was museums, whether it was Second City, whether it was protests or festivals, we found our way around. And I think that that experience and that, um, that willingness to explore, um, you know, fueled and give, gave me a lot of experience and passions for a lot of things. Great. So if you were to create another nonprofit organization, what would it be? Oh, <laughs> uh, if I could start another nonprofit organization, which makes me sound tired thinking about it, <laughs> um, I would probably, hmm. I've worked for nonprofits for about 11 years now. Um, I started out doing medical search and rescue in New Mexico and just like moved up through the ranks from there. Um, I would start a nonprofit that surrounds um, em empowering um, young women and young folks from the LGBTQ plus community to you know, find their voice in writing, no matter what, you know, their, um, you know, what, what their story is, you know, whether that's human rights, whether that's, um, you know, just finding their way out of their own trauma or their own challenges, um, you know, really developing the youth of our country um, to, and across the world, to find their voice in written word and, you know, eventually in spoken word. Hmm. Great. So, so if your life was a meal, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, probably pad thai because it's really good. But there's okay. like a little, it's a little bit nuts. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Yeah, very good choice. <laughs> and and you had to crack a couple eggs to get it. So, you know, yeah. it's just it's it's just makes life a little bit fuller. I agree. So if you could make a wish right now, what would it be? Whew. That's a tough one. Um you know, my my first and ultimate wish would be to have hope with us. But mm -hmm. Um, really what, you know, is deep down in my heart is for us to not, or is, <sighs> goodness, it's like cheating if you have like a three-part wish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like genies do three-part wishes. So, um, <laughs> so I would say that, you know, if there was a world where we didn't need abortions, that would be amazing. But I think the most realistic wish that I could have would be 
for us to stop fighting about the procedure and start working on developing it so that it causes less, you know, it, while it is safe, you know, causes less mental trauma to the folks that need it. Hmm. Great. What's your favorite season? Fall. Okay. Any reason yeah. you like fall? Uh, I love the colors. I love sitting around a campfire with some hot chocolate and a good book and a warm blanket. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a very good that's a good answer. I like yeah. I like fall for the leaves and all the colors. A nice yes. warm brownie color. But yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You... There's there's warmth to it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you uh, since the pandemic started, I haven't traveled much. Um, however, I did, you know, on, on Tuesday, I actually bugged out and went to a small Airbnb, Airbnb about an hour away from where I live and um, just me. And it had a clear clawfoot tub. I had some sushi and it had plants everywhere. The sun was shining. The breeze was blowing. And I just got in that space to create and write. And it was beautiful. So even though I I haven't been able to travel much, that staycation was worth the recharge for sure. Great. Have you, have you ever met any interesting people throughout your life? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe... Um, Maybe not like big name folks, but um, what was interesting, <laughs> and it feels like a cop out for saying that I, my husband is an interesting person, but the way that we met was interesting. Um, so he, we both worked in New Mexico and I got stranded in the middle of nowhere and I walked over to this group of guys that I knew that were waiting for the same bus that I was waiting for that never came. And I asked, you know, I, I asked them about it and they said, just wait here. Our friend's coming to get us. So this blue truck pulls up and my husband was the one driving the truck that rescued me. <laughs> and they were, they were very gentlemanly about it. They let me ride in the cab and they jumped in the back and turned out the you know the ironic part was that while I was growing up in Kansas City we were less than a half a mile away from each other and we actually my his dad was my brother's cub master and we should have met like several times we went to the same elementary school we uh, went to the same daycare all the things but it took going to New Mexico and getting lost in the middle of nowhere to find each other. Yeah. Who was the funniest person you've met? Ooh. Um, I would probably say my son, Caden. Uh, he's almost nine. And he is hilarious. Like, <laughs> I've never <laughs> met a person that is so full of light as much as my son Caden is. Hmm, okay. 
And uh, what was some, what was something about your son that just makes you laugh every time? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, in true boy man fashion, there's always the fart jokes. But <laughs> I, I would say that he just like loves to be part of the older conversation. Like he loves to, you know, even though he doesn't get the context necessarily of what you're talking about, he wants to be part of that. So he'll make jokes surrounding it and not realize that, <laughs> that he is like way above his pay grade <laughs> for, <laughs> for what he's talking about. It's, it's adorable. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Is there anything about you? You're just too tired to explain to people. Ooh. Sometimes, or at least a lot of what I've gotten since I, um, you know, released the book and started from the green desk is people are, don't understand why, you know, why now? Why, why are you sharing this? You know, why, why do you have social media accounts? Um, now I, you know, before this, I stayed off of social media and, my, my answer for them has been, you know, I just couldn't hold in that scream any longer um, with what happened in Texas, with what's happening all over our country with the copycat bills right now, you know, and my pain that I've been carrying for hope all this time, I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> um, it only took me six months to write my book because when I started, it all came pouring out of me. And that's not an accident. And okay. what I found is that the more truth that I share, the more people that I'm able to empower, it is, is filling my heart, you know, where the broken pieces are, there's pieces that are being filled, the cracks are being filled by this advocacy and helping other people. And that is something that I I want to share with the world. Great. Do you have any pets? Too many. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have I have three dogs, as well as two cats. Oh, great! Uh, anything, and and anything? two kids, so that counts too. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> oh my. <God>. Uh. <laughs> What what's the funniest moment you've had? Oh no. Uh <laughs> um I would probably say the time that I laughed the hardest was when I was a you know this was another moment in 2012 when I was working in New Mexico. Um I my friend you know, I had a Jeep, my friend had this little sedan and she, you know, we decided we were going to go to the hot springs. And I said, we should take my Jeep. It's, it's rough out there. You know, something could happen in a car. And she said, oh no, we'll take my car and we'll save on gas. Well, <laughs> the roads are rough and we broke her oil pan in half <laughs> on the roads. And which sounds terrible. It was terrible. And I felt terrible for her. Um, and Jamie, if you're out there listening, I'm sorry. Um, but 
what made me laugh the hardest was our ability to still make the day out of it, you know, still be able to, you know, the fact that it, you know, we broke an oil pan in half on a road was just ridiculous. The fact that we were stranded at a hot spring was even more ridiculous. And then, you know, the fact that we had to stay in this little uh, Taos, New Mexico ski area overnight was just, you know, everything about it was a concoction for this beautiful, hilarious story that I'm, you know, I'm going to tell my kids about one day. Um, And, you know, it was just, it's that, that, laughter out of pain moment that you know only happens with the best of friends yeah i agree and that is all we have for this episode it was great having you here kelsey talking about from the green desks uh your experience with abortion it it was very it was very inspiring i must say thank you i really appreciate that you're welcome and until next time stay tuned for more